It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So glad you could be with us for the next hour. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. Our phone number for later on in the show is 973-667-1960. Jot it down, 973-667-1960. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat, and you can always find an archive of this show and our entire Giants podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts but before we get to your phone calls your comments and your thoughts about the new york football giants we continue with our college prospect previews today we will look at wake forest and at minnesota we start out with wake forest and their legendary play-by-play voice is here to join us stan cotton uh stan we hope everything is well with you and we're so glad you could spend some time with us today thank you Doing great. Thanks for the invitation. Look forward to uh, chatting about the Deeks a little bit. Now, Stan, before we go anywhere else, I'm going to admit something to you that I said on our program the other day. I hope that Boogie Basham is sitting on the board at 42 for the Giants (laughs) early in the second round because by far he would be my number one choice. I think this guy has so much ability. He's going to be a better pro player than he was in college. He can play inside. He can play outside. You can either dispel this for me, or you can pat me on the back and say, "I hope you get the guy." <laughs> well, no, let me let me reach through the phone and pat you on the back because I think <laughs> uh, I, I think he's a real steal for somebody, and he's going to kind of come in there under the radar a little bit. Plus, I mean, if you're calling it, you know games on the radio, I mean, Boogie Basham just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's it's a it's a great name uh, for a defender, but I mean, th- this is a guy now that uh, you know he's. I think the Wake listed him at 280, 285. I think on Pro Day he was about 274, which might be a little bit light for him. But you know he's six foot five. He's a, he's a big man, and I think the best thing he did at Pro Day was run. I mean he he came up and talked to us. We had we had coverage on on the ACC network, and he he told us he ran about four five eight or so, or at least he had a couple of people telling him that they had him under four six. I think his official time was four six hmm. plus, but. Uh, you know, for for a for a man that large running that fast, and and really, he looks so good running to forty. I mean, he doesn't look like a defensive lineman running it. You, you know, so and uh, I mean, Boogie had twenty and a half sacks, fourth all time at Wake. He had the longest streak in the country over his junior and senior senior seasons of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, 23 straight games, and the next player wasn't even in double digits. So, I mean, he lived in Wake's opponent's backfields for a couple of years, and I just think uh, he's going to be a really, really good pro. I agree with you that he's going to get better and better and better. Now, if Wake's prospects, he's got the largest sample size. I mean, he was a fifth-year senior, played a lot of snaps for Wake, but he just, to me, got better every single year. He's got a great motor, runs well. Great teammate, good guy in the locker room, and I just think if the Giants, if he's there and the, and the Giants pick him, I think you guys are, are going to get a good one. Now, Stan, before I turn it over to Jeff for a second, let me say this. I think he is a defensive end in a 4-3, but can also move inside to be the three technique in the 4-3 and, and to get after guys from that perspective. Now, the Giants play a 3-4 base to start things, but I think if you bring him in, especially as a rookie, you could put him in either one of those two spots on a four-man front, and I think he can do damage. Do you see it the same way? I, I do. I, you know, he, he's, he's a sponge. He can learn. Uh, and, again, he just is such a good athlete and so quick for a big man. I think pretty much uh, anywhere in those uh, situations, those kinds of schemes, that, that he can do whatever you want. I, I really do. Um, I just – I've been here a long time at Wake, uh, 25 years now, and he is just one of the very, very best. And and I think maybe one of those guys with a bigger upside than maybe some others uh, in the past because I just think uh, he has just gotten so much better with every season. 
Um, I, I just think he's going to continue to, to improve and, and certainly under, under great coaching with the Giants or anybody else. Uh, he's just going to get really, really, really good. Uh, Stan, you know, I look. I'm looking at his statistics here. Obviously, it's very, very impressive. I mean, wait, he only played in seven games last year, um, having five sacks. But the year before, in 2019, an outstanding year: 11 sacks, 13 QB hits, um, and a bunch of hurries. What What made him stay for his fifth year? I'm just curious because a lot of these guys at this type of level, um, it, was it just that he wanted to, you know, play another year and get to get a little more experience and be able to be a, possibly a first rounder, or what happened there? I think so, Jeff. I, you, you talk to him, and he'll say, "Look, I'm a football player. I play." Uh, now he did. Now you, you talk about the, the the small sample size in 2020. Obviously, that was the COVID year, and, mm-hmm. and the, the sure. Knicks didn't play that many games. But he he did opt out of the bowl game. But it, with regard to your question, Jeff, about coming, he said, "Look, I'm a I'm a football player. I, I play, I, and and so I'm gonna." And as I mentioned earlier, he's a good teammate. I think he felt um, some. Uh, he just he just wanted to be there with his teammates and in his team and the school that, that that gave him a chance to play in the ACC. So I think that maybe lends itself to how good of a teammate he's going to be for someone. I, again, he's going to be a great guy in the locker room, uh, and so I just think he just sees himself as a football player and he he plays football and that that's what he wants to do. And uh, I, again, I just think he's going to be a really, really good selection for somebody at the next level. Um, just to follow up on that, so, you know, a lot of the times these uh, all the measurables you get the 40 times, that's, and by the way, any any guy that weighs 285 pounds or whatever is in 6'5 and runs a full, sub 4'6, I'm okay with that, by the way. Um, but, you know, a lot of the measurables you, you see and things like that, you talk about his character and how, you know, he's good in the locker room. What are some of the bright spots? What is he, like, what brings that type of, of athlete out in him, like what 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 really does he bring to the locker room? Because that is so important in the National Football League is character. And when you get, especially guys in the first second round, when you're going to be spending a lot of money to to bring these gentlemen in, what are some of the good things that he does in the locker room and just around the players and coaches? Well, I mean, he just again, I think he sees himself as part of a team. He's he's not going to um, he's not a selfish person at all. Uh, certainly as a, as a football player, and he wants to win more than anything else. Um, and he's one of those players that makes people around him better, not simply because of the way he plays. He's just a good citizen, good student, was never in trouble, uh, always trying to lift his teammates up. And, and right. you know, you, you know if, if you're going to invest millions of dollars uh, into somebody, right, I mean, that's the kind of guy you want. And I think there are a lot of those types of kids at Wake Forest, quite honestly, and I'll give credit to head coach Dave Clawson. That's the way he, he recruits. But uh, he hit a home run with this one, and uh, the Giants or anybody else, I think, will hit a home run if they get him. Now, let's be fair about this for a second, Stan. I, you know, I don't see many people necessarily projecting him as a first-round pick. And, in fact, mm-hmm. when I opened up, I said to you I'd like to see him with the Giants at number 42. Uh, uh, so, you know, I'm thinking early second round. Why would somebody not look at him as a first-round pick? The one thing that I thought I saw is that he's going to have to play the run a little bit better. But, of course, when he gets into this league, if you're going to make him a situational pass rusher, that's something he can grow into over time. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And obviously not being an NFL expert, I, I, there are certain things that, that I don't, I, you know, I, I, w- I would be guessing. But, you know, maybe because he comes from a small program, you know, wakes a, a small school, um, and, you know, maybe it's the fact that, that, you know, three years ago, he, he wasn't some c- crazy player. I mean, he's just gotten so much better over the course of, uh, of his, his time at Wake and, and the last two years have been his best. Great question. And I think that's, that's why at the beginning I said he's going to be a steal for somebody. Um, I, I just, when you look at how big he is, how well he moves, um, the other things we've talked about, the intangibles, uh, the type of citizen he is, his, his football IQ, um, he's very, very coachable. His, his position coach, Dave Cohen at Wake, whom I respect um, a, a great deal, just, just gushes over this guy. And Coach Cohen's been, you know, he's not a 35-year-old coach. He's been around for a while. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I, I just kind of defer to, to him on a lot of those types of things, guys. And, and again, I, I just think, and you're you're right. I think he's going to be available in the second round to somebody. But uh, I think they're going to get a steal if he's there. Somebody picks him. I think they will be 
so glad they did. And those who came before who didn't, uh, maybe looking in the rearview window one day and said, man, we could have taken that guy too. So we'll see. Obviously, you have to go do it. It's a different level and all those types of things. But I would just be shocked if uh, if Boogie Basham didn't uh, become a good pro. Well, I was going to go then to uh, to the other prospect yeah. who was on offense with Wake Forest, Sage Surratt, the wide receiver, who uh, certainly is getting enough of NFL attention. Now, he's not one of the premier receivers in this draft. As we go down on the depth chart, uh, which is, a, by the way, a very deep position coming up in the next month. I think most people think there'll be fourth and fifth round picks who will make this league. Uh, what would be some of your initial thoughts on him, Stan? Well, Sage is not a guy that's going to run a four-two-four-three and, and blow by NFL corners. And he, that's that's not who he is. As a matter of fact, I don't think he ran as well as, as Boogie Basham did. Um, but he's he's a guy that uh, talk about athlete. Now, coming out of high school at Lincolnton High School, he's he's a North Carolina kid. He was uh, the most valuable player in the state in both football and basketball. Uh, and and this is a basketball-rich area, obviously, as you guys know, and he could have gone anywhere probably and and played basketball. His brother, Chaz, uh, went to North Carolina, was a great quarterback when he went to the Tar Heels, ended up playing linebacker. He's going to play in the NFL, I I would think. So Mm -hmm. he comes from a very athletic family, and you know, talking about other things that, that they bring to the table. Talk about a smart guy. Now, this guy was academic, all ACC, at Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest, is, it's, it's a rigorous academic institution. It, it really, really is. And he's just a smart kid who, now his sample size, you know, a couple of years uh, it, it is all. He, he battled some injury, but uh, he just great hands, catches it out in front of him like they want him to do at the next level. And uh, he, he's a, probably going to be, a, I would think, a, a possession-type receiver, but 6'3", six, 6'4", six, with his basketball ability, He's, he's a guy you throw it to, and Jeff, you would know this. I mean, you throw it to those guys, and you just know, you just have this this uh, confidence that he's going to beat the guy covering him for the football. I mean, he gets in there like a like a rebounder, you know, in basketball. Yeah, sure. He gets that, that big, long body uh, out there and makes the catch. He does not drop footballs. He just doesn't do that. Um, so I, I would see him as a you know, situational uh, third-down, maybe possession-type guy. Um, but runs well enough to get some separation and, and runs good routes. Again, smart, another good citizen, good teammate, uh, like a lot of guys at Wake Forest. So, um, but doesn't have blazing speed, anything like that. But he's such a good athlete. I, I think he can play special teams in certain situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, you know, he, he's, he's a, uh, I think somebody could take a, take a bet on him, take a shot on him and probably, uh, be happy with the athlete and the kind of football player they're going to get. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, my son went to the University of North Carolina, so I got to see a lot of Chaz Surratt this year. Um, and he is a heck of a football player. His brother um, just out of nowhere becomes, you know, it goes from being a quarterback to a, a linebacker. You don't see that very often. It just goes to show you yeah. the real athleticism in that. And by the way, and also uh, academic uh, in that in that family, both at Wake Forest and UNC, um, I see I see Sage as a guy that probably would be really good on special teams. Smart player, you said. You know, has his a good speed, not the greatest speed, but you know, smart enough to be able to make some plays and so very very athletic. And so it sounds like the, anybody that grabs him would be a really good player for you know maybe like you said situational stuff and some special teams. Did he play any special teams at Wake? I'm sure that he was you know obviously uh, starting at the wide receiver position, but maybe earlier in his career was he a gunner? Was he a returner? What what do you have there, Stan? He, you know, he he did return some punts. I mean, he's got such good hands that got really, really good about him. You know, back there catching that, that, that crazy football when it comes off the foot, and he he averaged eight yards of punt return, which okay. is you know is 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 very respectable. Uh, uh, and, and caught about eleven or so, I think. Uh, returned about eleven punts uh, in in two thousand nineteen and did really well. His long return was twenty five, but still, he he's a guy back there that can catch the ball and get it upfield. You know, five, six, seven, eight yards get you in good position. So yeah, he he can do that. Um, I don't think he played any other special teams early in his career. I could I could be mistaken. Maybe kickoff, something like that. But sure. um, but yeah, I think he can without question do that. 
with opting out this past season, I'm curious, Stan, how do you feel about his experience level and his football acumen to be able to necessarily get off of press coverage like they may use in the NFL against him? I don't know how much that was used against him when he was at Wake, but obviously you get to the NFL, you're going to have to be able to do that if you don't have blazing speed. You need to be able to be crafty and wily and, and be able to use your physicality to your advantage. Yeah, and, and I've, got, I've got confidence that, that he can do that. Again, he's, 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 he's a strong kid. Uh, he's not bulky, anything like that, but he, he is very strong, and, he, and he, he's got that, that knack of being able to use his body to get between his defender in the football and then, and then go get it. Now, again, uh, his sample size is small, so he's still a relatively young kid, um, and, and I can't imagine with, with his athleticism, his intellect, all those types of things, uh, that he's, uh, again, going to be one of those players that's got a really big upside to him. I was, you know, honestly, and I don't, I, I was very surprised that he opted out of, uh, of 2020. That surprised me a little bit. Um, Do we know and, why, and, Stan? And he, you know, I don't. Honestly, I don't. And, you know, each kid and his family had, had to make that decision in, in, in 2020, and, and he, he decided to do that. But, um, uh, again, he's, he's a guy that, that, uh, his teammates counted on. I mean, he, Wake Forest welcomed him back with open arms uh, to, to pro day, even though he, you know, he didn't take a snap in 2020. I mean, he's still part of the family here and very much loved. The coaches really, really like him. And uh, his position coach, Kevin Higgins, just like Coach Cohen, gushes over Boogie Basham. Uh, coach Higgins just can't say enough about Sage Surratt. And, and uh, uh, I just, you know, we've talked about his brother and just his family and the athleticism and, and all those types of things. And, and again, I you know who knows? It's small sample size, uh, but I, I just I really feel good about both him and Basham at the next level, just being able to get better and better, making a team and 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 playing for a while. I just think they're that good. Well, the wide receiver class is so deep. To be honest with you, Stan, mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing that he's probably could be a third day pick, but that does not mean he will not make a contribution in the league. As we said. Uh, there's certainly a role for a guy like that because his physicality is going to be something coaches will enjoy seeing on the field. No question. And, and uh, again, I just, you know, what Wake's got a lot of high character guys. You know, I've said that before and That's I give all that deal. credit to coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, it, when you're putting that much uh, in, into a player, I mean, that, that's gotta be a, a big part of, uh, you know, the, the process of selection. And, and I know that Coach Clawson and his staff, when, when they recruit, I mean, they just don't watch tape and, and talk to the coach. They talk to guidance counselors. They talk to their, you know, chemistry, you know, uh, teachers. They, they, they go all out and try to find guys that, that are going to be great teammates, good guys in the locker room that are going to not be selfish and all those types of things. And, and Sage Surratt and, and Boogie Basham have risen to the top in terms of, all those things, and and again, I, I, uh, I, I I've I've got a couple of buddies that played a long time in the NFL, and I know, and you guys are around it every day. I mean, that's part of it. That's a big part of. It. There are a lot of guys that can play football, but they they aren't good to have around. They're not good to have in your building. They're got they're not good at practice and all those types of things. And uh, I think the weight kids, whoever gets them, they're they're going to be very very uh, happy with that part of uh, of, of these players. He is longtime play-by-play voice of Wake Forest, Stan Cotton, with excellent information. Stan, we really appreciate your time today. You provided us with terrific nuggets on these players, and I'm sure the fans appreciate it as well. And if Basham winds up with the Giants, I'll fly out there and give you a big hug. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Stan. Stan Cotton joining us today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. So glad to have his insights. And, you know, Jeff, uh, I know sometimes it sounds so sugary and, you know, uh, kumbaya-ish, but, but his comments about these guys with their character and their, their locker room uh, uh, strong points, uh, shall we say, look, in today's game more than ever, that's a big, big deal. Uh, you got teams that aren't able to bond together as much because of all this virtual stuff that's going on after the pandemic. 
You know, it's funny that Stan had mentioned you don't hear this very often when he says, oh, yeah, you know, those coaches, they check uh, with their chemistry teachers. And <laughs> <laughs> only only kids going to Wake Forest are taking chemistry classes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just goes to show you that these guys are pretty smart to go to Wake Forest. But you were absolutely right, Paul. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta have some uh, – an idea of the character of these guys because they're on their own so much these days, you know, and you just want um, guys that work hard and that, that they have football acumen, like you said, and able to pick up systems that are in place quickly um, and be able to translate that uh, from the computer ba basically nowadays onto uh, the field whenever they get together. So it's important that you have some guys that, that know how to work um, alone and, you know, and, and pick up things without having – tutoring them all the time so that's a big issue and the other thing too is that you know you don't want the guy in the locker room that's just uh is just kind of that guy you know so i think a lot goes into as you know goes into vetting these guys and um and even i mean there are some teams as you know paul that don't you know they don't care a lot about that but um there's other teams that care a lot about that and i think the giants are one of them and joe judge and his staff are are, are a coaching staff that really looks long and hard at the character and how these guys are, uh, you know, behave themselves and how they present themselves in the locker room and on the field. You know, one of the ways that, that I think Surratt would really fit in with the Giants, not Surratt, I'm sorry, Bastion will Boogie. fit in with the Giants, as I said. You know, to me, he is, he is a defensive end, okay? He is not a stand-up linebacker. But what I love about this is how many times have we seen teams that run the 3-4 package and then on third down, okay, so basically they've got a stand-up defensive end as the fourth guy in the front, right? And, so, and, sometimes, in the, and sometimes in that A-gap. You've seen that too. Right, okay. You know? But here's the thing. With Basham, you don't have to deal with that. Forget about a stand-up defensive lineman. no. Boogie Basham, you could line him up on the end if you want him to. You go to your four-man front, line him up on the end if you want him to. Or, for that matter, you can even put him inside if you'd like to. Sure. And put him and Leonard Williams together on the inside. Holy smokes. That's yeah. going to be a load now for, for offensive lines to try to pick up because of the athleticism and the ability of both Basham and Williams. Could you see if they were both playing on the interior of a four-man front? Well, you know, you heard about the speed, right? So I'm not so worried about a 40 speed for a defensive lineman that, that weighs 285. If he's he's ever, a penetrator, if, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. If he's ever running 40 yards, we're in trouble. But I will tell you his, his acceleration off the football, um, reading some of the scouting reports on him, is that able to be able to just get by guys quickly on the outside and in the inside of the tackles. You know, that's, that's important. And so that, that, you know, look at all those hurries he's got. You know, yeah, he didn't get, get to the quarterback, but that speed has helped him get around. And as Stan said, you know, he basically lived in the opponent's backfield. Well, that's his speed showing, you know, right there. And, mm -hmm. you know, as he gets better, um, you know, and, and I asked the question because the fifth-year senior, you know, here's a guy that's basically a borderline first-round, second-round guy that takes and goes into his fifth year. You know, it's almost like somebody that, that stays at work for a long time. You know, you sometimes wonder, well, does he have it too good there or is there something wrong? Why has he stayed there for so long? So I was just curious from Stan that, you know, why would he was there as a fifth year? Um, and he just pretty much identified that he's a football player and he just wanted to keep playing. So The um, maturity he's going to bring to the table yeah. means he's going to give you production a lot quicker than some of these other guys. Sure. And I will go out on a limb right now and tell you his floor is a lot higher than any of the other boomer bust edge rushers slash defensive ends in this draft. I well, will tell I, you that right now. We we've discussed about the defensive end, the edge rusher this year. It's a crapshoot with these guys, but you know the this more guy's more, not a crapshoot. No, but I was just going to say the more and more we talk to people and let guys like Stan that you know maybe there are a few out there that are legitimate, you know. And so uh, at forty two, Giants uh, need an edge rusher. You know, I'm I'm still in the back of my mind thinking that the Giants are, are playing a little bit coy here and that thinking they might go at that position at number 11, to be honest with you. Um, but, I, you know, maybe if they don't, then certainly I think that the second round at 42 is a, a distinct possibility at one of these guys, and, and, and uh, Boogie would be a, a heck of a story. I would love to call that name for a while. <laughs> All right. Our phone number is 973-667-1960. We've got Corey on the line from Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. First up on the show. Hello. Hi, Corey. Hi. How's it going? Good. We're well. How are you? Good. So a lot of people are talking about the return of Saquon Barkley. 
and I agree. It's gonna it's gonna help Daniel Jones drastically, and I'm wearing his jersey as we speak. But not a lot of people are talking about getting Xavier McKinney back for a full season, and I yeah. think from seeing what I've seen in the, I know it's really just a one game sample size because him play a lot and really just excited based off what he did in week 17 because uh, he happened to be Andy Dalton's favorite receiver all game. Uh, yeah, I think also back at Alabama, especially in his last year when Dylan Moses tore his ACL, I think he can be utilized a lot like Jamal Adams because they had him play a lot more in the box and they had him blitz a lot. He was really good as a blitzer. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. I think he could get three or four sacks. And uh, I think he's got the upside to be an all-pro in the centerpiece of his defense and just really excited to have him back. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, and I'll get off the air. Jeff, you want to take it? Well, yes. Listen, I I think that, you know, coming into the season last year, obviously he got hurt, and that was a big blow to the Giants' defense because they were definitely counting on him. Um, but I feel like, you know, because of his pedigree, where he came from um, and his football acumen, he, I, f- I feel like he really, you know, once he got into the system and he, he showed some really good game at the end of the season, and I feel like he's going to carry that over into this year. And I think that Coach Graham uh, got a good little a little sample size of what he could do with him and move him around a little bit. But I agree with you. I think he could, he could be a staple for that defense for years to come. And um, as long as he stays healthy and, you know, that position – um, if you're if you're good at it, you can stick around for a long time. All right, quickly we can go to Jay from Brooklyn, but we've only got a couple of minutes here because we'd like to get to our next guest momentarily. Hello, Jay. You're next on the show. Hi, Jay. Paul, he's there now. You got to wait for me to screen these guys. He's okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, we got John back uh, producing on the uh, on the master control there. Um, one thing for sure, Jay. Paul, Paul, he is there now. Oh, he is. Yes. Okay. okay, go ahead, Jay. Hi. Hey, how you doing, Paul? What's going on? Uh, real quick, as, you know, as you get closer to the draft now, I think you're starting to see, see a clear consensus on who the top players are. And as we get closer, I'm finding it hard to see how one of these blue chippers are making it down to 11. Meaning that, you know, uh, the two top offensive linemen, even Micah Parsons to a certain degree. I mean, if you give the top, let's, we all agree, the top in, in the top 10, you're going to have three quarterbacks at the least. Uh, the kid from Florida, uh, Pitts, and Chase. At least five picks before the Giants pick at 11. Even if I give you another two quarterbacks, which is, I think it's pushing it. Just honest, give us one. Just give us one, then. You don't have to give us two. No, give I give you one. one quarterback. At least four picks. Out of those four picks, out of, with all the offensive line struggles around the league, you got teams like Cincinnati picking up there, Carolina, Atlanta. I think a lot. also a lot depends on what Atlanta chooses at four. I don't see how you're going to have that choice between Slater, Sewell, Parsons. I think it's going to be basically the three Alabama kids that you're going to have to choose from at 11, to be honest. I don't see how Sewell, Slater are making it down to 11, unless it's a trade-up for another player that nobody's mentioning. I think that's why you're starting to hear the Giants going after this kid from Georgia. Because I think maybe in the back of their mind, they know probably that these guys are not going to make it to 11. Just what, what do you guys think about that? Hmm. Well, it's it's something we we keep discussing. That's for sure. Um, You know, I think you hit the nail on the head with the guys like Chase and Pitts and Sewell and, you know, the quarterbacks. Um, uh, You know, again, it's so hard to it's so hard to say because, you know, you don't know if there's going to be a trade that somebody goes up and maybe somebody goes up and gets another quarterback. So maybe there's, you know, maybe there's two quarterbacks, Trey Lance and then Mac Jones. Okay, and then you got Fields. Um, and then you've got Wilson and you've got Lawrence. So there's five right there. That's the um, max, though, Jeff. I think that, we would all agree. Yeah, 100%. That we, we cut the line off there. So now you're, now you're at, at five more, and then you've got the two, the two tackles, um, and then you've got Parsons. So now that's, that's what? Now we've got two more to go. So, yeah. Sertan. I mean, and exactly. So, Sertan, I, I don't know. So it's really interesting to me. I still think that, you know, who is the blue chip? Who's the guy there? Is it is it is it one of the receivers? I mean, I, I think that Paul, I need your help here. Do you think that Devontae Smith is a legitimate blue chip wide receiver? A hundred percent, right? I mean I'm I'm not a Devontae Smith guy. Okay. Okay. You're, I am you definitely waddle? I'm waddle over Smith any day okay. of the week. 
Okay, either one of those two. So would you? Okay, so Waddle, he's definitely a blue chip. So I mean, but here's the thing. See, I I just don't think that the Giants are gonna are content about taking another wide receiver. I I just think that they're not. I I I just I think that maybe they might be thinking of the offensive lineman there, um, or defensive end or edge. So appreciate the phone call. We've got to go because we got our next guest lined up. Very but good. Jeff, indeed, it is it is a it is an easy situation for the Giants in that. Yeah. By the time they get to eleven, they'll be a good player. Okay. Come on. We know, we know, based on the amount of players who are reputed to be in the elite group of players in this draft, they are going to have a very high grade on somebody at 11 that's going to be available. I think that's pretty clear. And it could be at any one of three, maybe even four different positions. Mm -hmm. So if they stay there, they're getting a very good player, and and you can't criticize them for it because they're, they're going to be fine. If they decide to trade down a few spots, now that's where it gets really tricky and a bit more complicated. Right. Right. Yep. So, anyway. Hey, let's get back to our our guest line. We're former Packers running back and now radio analyst for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Daryl Thompson joins us on the program to talk about their prospects in the draft. Daryl, hope all is well with you. We're so glad you could be with us today. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Hi, Daryl. Well, any conversation about Minnesota in this draft has to start with Bateman, uh, a guy who, you know, obviously he got the COVID issue last year, and, you know, some people think he could be a high second-round pick. Others think maybe he belongs uh, late in the first round. There's there's a little bit of a variance of opinion there. So why do, if you could break it down for us, what do you hear? Where do you think he belongs in this draft? Well, I mean, it's just, you know, my opinion, and I saw a lot of them. I mean, I think he's probably a late first-round, early um, second-round pick, you know, just with his his skills. And like I was telling a friend of mine, you know, it's hard to, you know, you got one position, but you we all kind of forget that there's, you know, 10 other positions on the field and kickers and everything else. So I think, you know, that uh, the late first-round, early second-round is uh, the place that uh, Rashad will probably be taken. Um. Daryl, nice to nice to have you on the program today. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, a lot of times we see these of these wide receivers as being great athletes. Um, I I see I see Rashad Bateman as one of those great athletes, the guy that can move all. I know he has a basketball background. Um, give me some of his you know odds that you've seen about him that he can he can do as his athleticism. Is it going up to getting footballs? Is it making moves on things? What do you see that's really special out of him that may maybe just project him up just a little bit higher than maybe some people think? Well, one thing I think he always catches the ball. I think that's one thing we saw with that's um, important. <laughs> yeah, well, it is important, but he, balls don't get to him. So they yeah. don't they don't get to his chest. They don't get to his shoulder pads. He always catches the ball in his hands. He's got like a you know he's got a he's got a uniqueness to him around that. And he also has you know I'm not huge on one handed grabs, but he has the ability to concentrate and focus. And doesn't seem to get um, shell shocked by situations. And he's a good route runner. You know, so he's a, he's disciplined. The, the part I thought that was always interesting is that well, benefit of maybe in the NFL is that he's never um, he's never returned punts or kickoffs in college. And I thought that might have been something with him as dynamic of an athlete that he is that they might have let him do it every once in a while, just in situations. They did it with Winfield, and uh, you know he was tremendous at it. And I just felt like it was some a place he might have shined as well. So there might be another little opportunity for him to maybe return some kickoffs or punts early in his career. Some you know things um, you know depending on what they want to use him package-wise for whatever team drafts him. Daryl, could you tell me the difference between what you saw from him in 2019 when he played the full season and his stat line jumps off the page, 60 receptions for over 1,200 yards at 20 yards a catch and 11 touchdowns compared to what he did in 2020. Again, we we did mention the, the illness issue, five games, 36 catches, only 13 yards a catch, and twice he reached the end zone. Well, I think probably the main difference is there was no Tyler Johnson. I mean, and I think that the uh, you know, COVID had something to do with it, but I think he was back. He was healthy. He was he was running. He looked like himself to me, but there was a lot. All eyes were on um, Rashad. And he, as soon as he broke the huddle, they identified where he went, and they couldn't do that here before. You know, they had to worry about Tyler. They had to worry about him. They had to worry about uh, Tanner Morgan, the tight ends. And uh, last year was all him. You know, and um, it was, and we probably zeroed in on him a little bit too much. 
So I mean, I think that was the that was the piece last year when when you're the only major you know threat as an All American coming back that you're they've watched film on you all week. They're focused on you. They're gonna get after you at the line of scrimmage. They're gonna bracket you over the top, and um, that's what they did to him. So it made it really really difficult for him to um, to get loose. Um. Talk about his speed a little bit and just kind of, you know, you said that he, he, can, he runs good routes, he can catch the football. Um, what, are some of the, what are some of the good things that, you know, we, we just had a, uh, another person on the line before this talking about uh, these players that are coming out of college these days and the NFL doing their due diligence as far as the character and things like that in the locker room. What does uh, Rashad bring to that? Is he a good guy? Has he got any kind of off-the-field program problems that people should be aware of, or is he just kind of that model citizen and good player? Well, I mean, he hasn't had any off-the-field um, really incidents at all. So, I mean, I think he seems like he's a really, really good young man. And the few times I've been around him, he's actually been curious, which has been mm. kind of fun. You know, he just, like, asked about things like, what's it What's it like? What was it like? You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, during, you know, my era, which is, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was a lot different than, um, right now, so I think you know he's he's a he's a really he's a good young man. He's uh, he's active socially and um, you know, wants to do positive things. You mentioned earlier about or asked about his his speed, and I think his speed is um, is deceptive. You know, he's he's a long strider, and that uh, you know would make me a little nervous as a defensive back because those guys sometimes can can eat a cushion up you know on you pretty quick and uh, get on top of you, and he gets in and out of breaks. Um, you know better than a lot of guys do that have long legs. I think long legs sometimes can be tough, but he does a nice job of breaking down and getting in and out of his cuts and um, obviously getting his hands up and uh, catching the ball as well. One more question about about him, Daryl. Which of the three receiving spots would you see him best fitting uh, in the NFL? And also as a running back, I'm sure you could appreciate wide receivers who give you that extra block that will uh, let, let you break a downfield run for a hell of a lot more yardage than was supposed to be there. And and I and I wonder how how he is in that aspect as well. He's a willing blocker. I don't I don't think he's excited about it, but he's good at it, and it's something <laughs> that they stress here at the University of Minnesota. So he's he's good at it. But I don't think that's obviously not where he's going to make his money. But he'll do it. Um, I probably see him at the outside receiver. He's played in both because especially with he and Tyler, it made him interchangeable, and they could kind of play in the slot. But he's uh, I'd say he's primarily an, an outside receiver. I, I, I actually, I mean, early on when we saw this receiver class uh, for the 21 draft, I, I, he jumped off the page for me. I just watching some tape on him. I just like the way he plays. I, he's a tall receiver, a uh, good, a good threat in the red zone. Um, I, I think that somebody may, may come up and, you know, I think that somebody gets him in the first round a hundred percent and they're going to be a, a very happy camper to be able to have him um, on the roster for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go defense. Benjamin St. Just at corner is a guy who I see getting some third-day conversation. Uh, Daryl uh, may not be totally the whole package, but because of his size and his length, uh, I think he's going to intrigue some people. Well, here's where I, I might differ with you. I think he is the whole package, but you he's do. not been healthy. Yeah, he's, okay. not, he's just not been healthy. I mean, he's got uh, – He's got above average speed. Um, ran a really, really good a short shuttle, and you know, being six foot three, a little over two hundred pounds, the long corners are always hard to come by. I think that you know, he and when he went from the first year he was here, he was kind of the third corner, and by like about the fourth game, he ended up being the number one corner, going up against the uh, the most important um, uh, you know receiver on another team, and did very, very well, and was a willing tackler and successful. So I think he's the um, you know the type of player that could be. I think he has it all, but it's got to all be put together, and he's got to stay in one piece. He got injured last year, and he had COVID last year, so all that stuff is just a, you know, a mess. But if he's healthy, if he's in one piece, then I think he's. Um, but I think someone's going to do well to get him later because he's. You can get him later on, and that's probably where he deserves to be. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of how the how things break down sometimes in the draft. Have you? Um... Daryl, have you seen where, you know, you talked about some of these wide receivers, how they all of a sudden, you know, they've got that little gear that kind of as a defensive back you kind of worry about because, you know, they may not – they're a little deceptive. They don't look as fast as they are, but all of a sudden, boom. Um, talk – what about – how about um, Benjamin? Does he have that little gear? Because for a big guy, you know, sometimes they, they stride long, but they don't really cover as much ground as you think, and then all of a sudden, boom, they've got a little extra, extra speed there. Does he have that type of uh, over-the-top speed to be able to catch up? 
he has enough, you know. I don't, I've never, I've never saw anyone actually just like run away from him, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just the way they play. But um, you know, and I also think he could play, um, he could play free safety as well. So I think he's got some ability to play other positions on the field, and he's he's very, very, very bright. He he graduated mm-hmm. from Michigan early, came here. I could see him being like, you know, hey, I want to play safety. I can walk down the slot. I recognize, you know, he's a guy that probably recognize the situation, the coverage, be like, this is what they're going to do. I could see him, I think he speaks like two languages, maybe three or something like that. He's uh, he's unique. You know, he's a, sure. he's a, he's a unique uh, young man. Well, that so makes the, a big the, dip. That makes a big difference. I mean, you think about, and you played in the league, you understand this. Um, there's a lot of times where these guys, you know, they may not be the greatest athletes in the world, but because of their their smartness, they're they're able to be in the right place at the right time all the time. So they're able to make plays, sense. you know. And so this is a guy that uh, obviously would be able to do that. That's a good thing to hear. Well, a lot of guys don't. Um, and you are all like listening in the uh, in the film room. A lot of guys don't really listen to pay attention to their homework, and he's one of those guys. I think they would do that, and they would benefit him because you need a lot of guys in the secondary, and he could be one of those um, those guys you have back there that can that listens and pays enough attention to recognize the tendencies and study the film to be ready when that situation comes up and knock a ball down or maybe pick one off. Well, especially with the hybrids where guys are, you know can play both corner and safety if they show the ability and also the mental aptitude to do so, coordinators love that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one, one more thing i got to ask you, Daryl. Again, Daryl Thompson, Minnesota Golden Gophers radio analyst and former Packers running back. Before we let you go, one guy the Giants have is Carter Coughlin. Uh, they were able to pick him up in the very last round, the seventh round last year in the draft. We saw him. Terrific guy. Good teammate. Hard worker. Uh, played a lot of special teams. Did well at that and showed some flashes off of the edge. And at one point last year, before things got a little bit uh, difficult with their depth chart on the outside, they started working him at practice as one of the inside backers in their 3-4, but he never really got to play that. I'm curious if you would give us some of your thoughts on his potential as an NFL player and what you think we may see from him moving forward. Well, hopefully you'll see more. I mean, he's a, he's a high-character, super high-energy person, and I quite honestly feel like that end spot's the, the spot for him. You know, he's... He's a speed rusher. He's athletic, and he'll do his homework to be to be ready. So, I feel like that's probably the best spot from that that linebacker. That kind of that Mike would be, I think, would be a stretch for him. But you never know. You know, you get in the right spot, and uh, and also just the weight thing. I mean, I don't think he's quite that big, but I think it's uh, it's tough. You know, but I think you you got a lot with him. He's he's a great young man, comes from a great family, and I actually played with his father, who was a very very good um, nose tackle. You know, back in the, uh, the late eighties. Great stuff. Daryl Thompson, Minnesota Golden Gophers radio analyst and, again, former Packers running back, joining us today to talk about the Golden Gophers prospects and a little bit about Carter Coughlin as well. Great information, Daryl. We wish you well, continued health, and we thank you for your time today. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You guys take Good stuff. Very good. You know, yeah. you know Jeff, I, I have to tell you, one of the things that I've really been pleased about throughout the course of the last two months as we have – delved into these prospects and look we have spent more time asking about the character question this year than i think any other season and primarily because of the opt-outs the covid protocols we understand that you know these teams in the nfl are trying to dig that information up as best as they can because they don't have as much one-on-one eyewitness accounts and personal interaction but it seems to me, now you tell me, is it my perception only, that we're hearing a lot of good things about the character of these prospects. I'm very rarely hearing. It seems like it's fewer that we're hearing about guys who have off-the-field issues this year. Well, I think it goes, it's, it's layered, Paul. It really is. I think it's now starting um, these kids coming out of high school when they're playing high school football, their high school coaches are, are getting in their ears and letting them know that, you know, you're not going to get to the next level if you're just a punk um, and you got problems. So then they get to college um, and then they, you know, they're college kids. They're, they're dumb. They're going to make mistakes. But, you know, a lot of them have, have, have good coaching and, and good, uh, you know, kind of guys that have kind of keep them on the straight and narrow. And I think that it's kind of just been a, a carryover as you move through it. And as they get older into college, they realize that if they have a potential to play the, in the National Football League, that 
you know, if they do some some things off the field, they're gonna be they're gonna find out about them. And so I think that's what we're seeing. I think it's it's a culture, and I think it's basically kind of a learning curve for these guys, and it starts young. And I think it helps because you know what, you it's not a, it's not so much you, you know you just don't want as an organization, Paul. This is such a huge business, the National Football League and these 32 teams. You can't afford to you put so much credence in your draft pre, um, preparations and things like that. You can't afford to miss out on, especially the high-end guys, by character issues. Because you just if you draft a guy in the first or second round, look what you're investing. Look at that. And all of a sudden, if he's just kind of a, you know, he's not the kind of guy that you thought he was, it's just, it's a shame. You lose him, and next thing you know, you, you have ramifications for it. So I think that it's, it's very layered. It's, been, it's starting at an earlier age now than it ever did, and these guys are just behaving themselves. I think it's good coaching, and it's good. It's, the programs are set up for these guys to, to succeed, not to fail. Mm-hmm. I, well, see it, I-, I see it with my son. I saw it with you know with at Miami and now at Rutgers mm-hmm. the way that these guys are they, they take care of the players they're on them every single day Paul these guys are being you know talked with they they they're, they're having meetings about you know life and life skills and things like this and you know and some guys aren't going to listen to it like Daryl said they're just going to be in the in the meeting room just kind of not really paying attention but most of them are and you need that. You really do. It's important. Well, with the way NFL teams are investing in these players yeah. and putting more of an emphasis on that, if you don't pay attention to it, you're just a fool. You're a fool. And I, I don't think that you can afford not to pay attention to it. I really don't. And, you know, listen, I'll give you an example, okay? Just a couple guys, all right? Uh, Eli Apple was, a, was somebody that when, when the Giants mm-hmm. drafted him, uh, there was no problems, right? But things happened. Okay, so there was a little bit of problems there, right? Uh, the the other guy, um, last hello, what the well, defensive there, back? There have been others. I don't think sure. we need to go into them. No, but, but there have been, been others. others. But I'm just telling you that you know there there's there was report there was just good good reports on this on these guys. And where mm-hmm. does it come from? It just it's just it happens. You can't. It's not a perfect science. But what you do is you 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 put credence in your in your vetting of these players, and you're talking to all these guys, and you get good reports. But they're still human beings. Things still happen, so it, it it can happen. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a, a hundred percent. All right, get on the line at nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Remember, limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the twenty twenty one season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available. We'll place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. And finally, you can get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Once again, our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live will be here till the top of the hour is 973-667-1960. One of the things I do want to address with you uh, quickly, Jeff, before we go back to the phone calls, we saw that the Players Association has told the players they would rather them not report for some of these off-season activities that are going to uh, be scheduled, as usual. We know we're trying to get off of this pandemic year and get back to normal. But uh, at this particular moment in time, it does look like there's a bit of a conflict mm-hmm. as to uh, if or we will or not see players during this off-season. Yeah, it is. I, I think that, you know, they're, you look back at what happened last year and how the season went. They got all the games in and, um, you know, it was a healthy season. And I, I think that, you know, you look back on the preparation going into the season and maybe it just has some credence on this year. You know, they're thinking, hey, listen, if we, what's, the, what's the most important thing? That we have a season, right? We're going to have the 17 games and um, the three preseasons. And, you know, if we can still do a lot of the same things we did last year with, with keeping the safety of the players, then so be it. But, you know, as a, per, as a player, um, I want to make sure that I'm safe. 
All right. Some guys are different than others. Some guys, you know, my point is just get vaccinated. I think that would help a lot if everybody would just get vaccinated and then they can kind of, you know, uh, make a decision from there. But, you know, I will tell you this. A lot of the guys really enjoy coming to work. They like being in the locker room, Paul. They like being in the weight room with their guys training together. Most guys say that's what they miss the most 100%. after they retire. Uh, absolutely. Because, you know, what? it is uh, honestly, it's not a lot of fun to go into a, you know, a gym without your guys that you're going to war with. It's just, it's just boring. It's, it's, I mean, there's no competition. Um, there's, there's no camaraderie. And it's just, I would, you know, for me, I would hate it because I, you guys know me long enough to, you know, we've been around each other a long time. I, I like to talk. I like to socialize. I like to be around the guys. And that, that would stink. So as long as I could be healthy, if I was vaccinated and felt like I was healthy, you know, and being around guys that were, then it would be. So it's going to be weird. It, I, I think that hopefully the Giants can come up with some sort of a – but the way that it's going, Paul, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that this is the way that it is going. All right, let's get back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Charlie from Portland, Maine, you're next on the show. Hello. Chuckles in the house. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Hey, isn't it also they're talking about it's voluntary, you know, so it doesn't mean they have to be there anyway. I'm sure mandatory, when it's mandatory, they'll all be there, but... When it's voluntary, that's what it should be. So, Well, to be honest with you, Charlie, if I understood <laughs> the memo that was put up on Twitter by some of the National Beat guys yesterday, uh, I, I seem to believe, uh, if I, unless I read it wrong, and folks, please, if you see otherwise and I did not interpret it correctly, that's, that's on me, but I do believe the memo from the Players Association was they were hoping that people would not report to anything during the off season. They'd like to go exclusively virtual and just go to training camp. That's basically. it. That's yeah. it. That's how I understood it. And but in my, fact, yeah. while you while you converse with Jeff, I'm going to go look up that memo. Yeah, but 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 okay. Charlie, like I was saying before you came on, is that that's what happened last year, right? And so, and they didn't right. even have any preseason games last year. Went right into the regular right. season, and they got all 17, 17 weeks in plus everything else. So. You know, in retrospect, yeah. you look back and you say, okay, well, it worked. You know, it worked, so I think that that's why they're doing it again. Yeah, the memo says, okay, and I'm going to quote a portion of it, uh, blah, 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 and then it says, uh, due to the continued threat of COVID-19 and the lack of a comprehensive plan to protect players, that the safest decision would be to not attend any in-person club organized activities at your club. And then they then they say, should you choose to work out of the facility, we urge you to follow strict protocols recommended by medical committee, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, the recommendation, Charlie, is not to attend anything. Can I say something Hi. real quick? Can I, listen, I, here's my point. My point is that they made it through the season. Yes, they had COVID out. They had some guys that came down with COVID and this and that. But it didn't, you know, and some guys missed some games. So my point is, is that why couldn't the offseason continue to go like they did during the season with testing? And, you know, if, even if there was guys that got COVID again, there was a protocol that it went through. You know, I think it's highly feasible that they could do this. Um, but the Players Association is pretty strong. And, you know, it's, it's represented by a lot of people. Um, and there are, Charlie, by the way, there are some guys that just don't want to work out in the offseason. Trust me. Oh, you know, there are. <laughs> you know? So, but I'm yes. just, you know, so I'm just trying to make a point that I wish that there was a way that it could be done safely. And it seems to me like it was done pretty safely. You know, the whole NFL got through the whole season last year. So hopefully they can come up with something. Okay, yeah, Charlie, well, go ahead. I didn't Gronk do something like that? He just wore the same shirt and just practiced one day, and then they thought he was practicing the whole week. He just had different shirts on, but it was only one day. There's, there's a guy oh. who didn't want to practice. But, mm-hmm. hey, the other the other question, I, I, I think there's going to be so many good, good players dropping down to undrafted free agents this year because of the opt-out, because of the medical because of all that stuff, a lot of good players. I mean, I can think of one right now is uh, Walker Little from Stanford, the great tackle out there. Mm-hmm. He opted out. He had an ACL. I mean, that guy could end up, I, I think somebody will draft him in the later rounds. But, you know, there's going to be guys like that who are going to end up being undrafted free agents. There's going to be a lot of good undrafted free agents, I think, this year than ever. 
than ever. And the other thing I was going to talk about, Jeff, is why is this character culture such an issue? Okay, I'll I mean, tell there's you. been teams. No, wait a minute. I just want to say there's been teams who have won Super Bowls when? that didn't have the greatest guy. When Lawrence Taylor would have never been on any when team. When I said when. When? <laughs> when? Well, you well. said and you went immediately to Lawrence Taylor. Okay, let's go back to the 80s now and just see how things were back then. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't have enough time on this program to tell you. Remember, I played in the 80s and the 90s, and I know that yeah. there was stuff going on there that would never happen now. Okay? And so, right. yeah, I don't know about which team has had the, the worst character guys. I mean, obviously – you know, the Raiders always have been the team that says that, oh, everybody just signs. The Raiders are just a bunch of hoodlums, you know. But they haven't won much lately, if that's what it is. But I well, think it we makes a huge either. difference. We, we're, we're getting all these Boy Scouts, and what have we won? You know, we <laughs> won Charlie, I appre- Charlie, I appreciate the point, but we're running out of time. I'd like to get somebody <laughs> okay. else in. I know you'll call again soon. Thank you, Charlie. Th- thank you very much. You know, it's... here's the thing, Jeff. This is still a business, and ultimately in a business – if you don't do all of your due diligence and now obviously correctly uh, ascertain who the good character guys and who the guys are who are going to cause problems for your team, you are going to wind up getting burned. You are. And you know what? You can't have – everybody's not the perfect player off on the field and off the field. You have to – you mitigate this, right? I mean, you have to kind of – you're going to have to take some chances on some people, but you do your due diligence because you want to make sure that – if the guy does have a little bit of something that is, do you talk to some people about, do you think that this person can, can, we can repair this? Or do you think the guy, if, you know, at this level that we can work on these types of things? Okay. Well, because Jeff, you tell gonna, me now, you, you've been in all of the, these locker rooms. Isn't another factor. One is, do we think that, yeah, he is, he is going to mature and he'll grow out of it and he'll learn what, what, what it is that we're teaching. But don't you think part of the other uh, uh, side of that equation is, well, we think our locker room is strong enough that we can bring him around. Okay. Right? 100%, 100%. But how did you get to that strong locker room? You, you had to have enough good way. guys in there exactly. in the first place. Exactly. So my point is that you have to start somewhere building the culture, which is what Joe Judge has done the last year and a half going on two years. He's, he's built that culture where now those you, you trust the players in the locker room to police the locker room. If you and you know if you don't have those types of guys and you have the locker room lawyers that are running the stuff, it's never going to work. And I agree with with Charlie. You can't have a bunch of you know Boy Scouts, as he says. I get that. You want good football players, and sometimes you're going to get a good football player with maybe just a little bit of you know problem here or there because you can't find 53 perfect people to play football. You just can't do it. You want some guys that just are a little bit nasty. You just want to be able to control them a little bit. You know. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Jeff. And, and you know, look, here's one thing that I will say, and I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I can tell you from being around the team as much as I am, although this protocol year certainly made <laughs> things more difficult. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can tell you that, for example, these offensive linemen are a much closer-knit group than those of previous years, sure. and you would really have to go back to that offensive line you know, that, that had the core guys like O'Hara and and Snee and Richie Seibert and Deal. And those guys, those guys, okay, they were always together on and off the field. They were always together. It was a very tightly knit bunch of players. And I will tell you, as the Giants offensive line over the years, since those guys eventually moved on, uh, the line deteriorated. And I noticed, and I'm I'm going to tell you this is flat out. I know I saw it. Those guys, the the guys they brought in, and the offensive lines that did not perform nearly as well, they were not very close knit, Jeff. No, there were more individuals mm-hmm. on those offensive lines than they were one for all, all for one. And these guys now, especially these younger guys. You know, the Gateses of the world, the Hernandezes of the world. Nate Solder's a, the grandpappy, but he's tight with these guys. This, this is a group that really bonds together. And that's just one of the reasons why I think this offensive line's on the way up. Yeah, and you got, you know, Pat Flaherty there to kind of, that 
you know, was the coach of that group you had mentioned, O'Hara and those guys. Sure. You know, here's the other thing, too. Do you remember? And Pat's back now, as you said. Yes, and you remember when you were in the locker room, when you were able to be in the locker room when Eric Flowers was on the team. Do you remember where Eric Flowers' locker was? It was on not, the other side. It was not near the offensive lineman, which was very, very rare. And um, he was never hanging out with anybody no. else. So, and not to say that he was the, you know, the, the only guy, but, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it goes to show you. And, by the way, there's one position group that hangs out the most it, there's two position groups, basically, and they're basically lined up across from each other all the time. That's the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman. That's the hang. Those guys mm -hmm. are the bros. Those guys hang together like no one else on the team, other than maybe the kickers and punters because we're always together. Well, you but guys don't count. We don't count. We never count. We never count for anything. But that'll tell you what. But my point is, 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 is your point is well taken. That's exactly what it is. Those guys are, you know, they're, they hang, they eat, they drink, they, they, they sleep, they do everything together. It means something. Yeah, yeah. That'll do it. We're done, Jeff. Our hour's finished. Can it you believe it? Fast. It always does. Yep. It really was. And we thank so much uh, the voices of Wake Forest, Stan Cotton, and, of course, analyst Daryl Thompson, former NFL running back with the Packers, for coming on today and uh, talking about some of their school's prospects. Uh, remember, you could always get today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live as part of the Giants Podcast Network, brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcasts. Jeff, be well. We're counting down to the draft. It's we getting sure real exciting these days. I know. We're getting close, folks. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. We'll see you again next time.